0: Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into scripture and see what God has for us today. Uh-oh, I let the student pastor preach this morning, baby. Come on. We're about to have some fun in here. Yeah, come on. Come on. Love those guys. Hey, good morning, church. My name's Eli. I'm the high school pastor here at Burnt Hickory. Uh, man, welcome back uh, from, from winter break. I feel like some of y'all went skiing and just brought the weather back with you. It's 32 degrees this morning. Y'all can go back, all right? We don't want you. I want that 70 degrees back, all right? Uh, welcome this morning. Glad to be in this series. I want to start it off this morning by telling you guys a story. Uh, when I was younger, not now, I I looked at myself as like a little bit of above average athlete, you know? Not trying to gas myself up, but you know, I liked liked to play some sports. I played it all, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played football. Uh, I even bended it like Beckham, I played a little bit of soccer. And then, you know, my parents thought for some odd reason, it'd be really good to stick like a 53 pound soaking wet kid into wrestling, right? Like. What doesn't get your kid's energy out than wrestling, you know, like wrestling? Uh, I know some of you were trying to picture me in a singlet. I had a picture, but they told me I couldn't put it up there this morning. But anyways, there's two memories I had of wrestling. One was I beat this kid, and immediately afterwards, I had an asthma attack, and somebody gave me a Coca-Cola because they thought that the caffeine would open up my lungs. It didn't. Uh, Number two... I remember, for one, some odd reason, uh, th- this this picture stuck out to me because it was conditioning. I'd never seen anything like it before, uh, but it, but I guess it's a common thing in wrestling. They took the group, they split us up into two different teams. They put this massive tape line in the middle of the floor, and they divided us up in half. Um, and and I, you know, anytime you're new to something, you know, you can tell. Like people kind of stick to the back. They're like checking it out. That's what I was doing. I was like, what is going on? I, I didn't really understand it because all the kids like rushed up to the line in the middle of the room. Like there's one team on one side, one team on the other side, and they were just like staring at each other. It's like, this is odd, you know, like brand new. It was like, okay, you know, and I'm, I'm little, like, and some of these are some big, some big boys, you know, and like, I'm sticking to the back. They started making fun of each other. They started poking fun. And then like, I figured out what, what the objective was. The objective was to be able to pull the other team across the line, and once you were pulled across the line, you were out. Like, you were supposed to get one team from one side or one team to the other side, and like, you know how wrestling is. Like, there are no rules, you know? Like, you can grab hair, you can grab feet, you can grab arms, you can grab limbs. So, like, there's bodies flying all over the place, man. Like, there, literally, there's, like, people that their, their hair's been ripped off their arm because, like, you grab on and people are pulling, like, it got intense, you know, and I'm looking around going like, man, I don't really know. There's not a kid my size I could pick on, or there's not a kid smaller than me that I could pick on. So I stood back. I waited my turn, you know. Got a little bit more comfortable with the line, I walked up to it, I actually pulled like the third person back because we had this line and this kid hanging over the line, we were pulling him back. I was like, all right, this is cool. So I got warmed up a little bit to it and I saw a little boy, you know, we're about the same size, you know, and I, saw, I looked at him, he looked at me and we, we met at the line, you know what I'm saying? Did a little na- nana, nana boo boo, stuck an arm across, like you can't catch me, you know what I'm saying? And eventually we got into it, you know? He's got my arm, I got his arm, we're going back and forth, and we're just like wrestling on this line up here, right? Well, next thing I know in my peripheral is out of nowhere, this massive honking dude comes over, just straight picks me up by my shoulders and just tosses me over. Followed my arm, hurt my elbow, never went back to wrestling, you know what I'm saying? Never, never again. Uh, the, re- the reason I tell you that story it's because I feel like that's what we do a lot of times with temptation and sin. On one side of the room we have temptation, on the other side we have sin, and, and we as believers walk this fine line in the middle of the room, and you ever ask yourself this question, like how far is too far? How far can I go with it actually being a sin in my life? And really what you're saying is, is how, how much of God can I have with also still looking like the rest of the world? That's really what you're asking. Like, like, how much of this Christianity and this God guy do I need to do without, without really going over the line? Because here's what I know about us as humans, especially me. Anytime I play a game or something, the first thing I ask is like, well, what are the rules? Because you know I'm going to try to bend them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm going to try to get a leg up here. That's what we do with temptation and sin, though. And some of us, man, I feel like at this Christian walk, that we're on a playground playing when in all reality it's an absolute war zone. You know, on one side of this thing, we have a loving God that wants this relationship with us, and we focus on that, and that's good. We need to, but on the other side, you got to realize you got a real enemy trying to pull you away. And so many of us just want to flirt with this idea of sin and we want to walk the tightrope line between like, well, I like to butt up to like, it's almost a sin, but it's not really a sin. And like there's an old saying that, you know, eventually if you play with fire long enough, it'll burn you. I remember one time I was playing with fireworks. My dad said, careful, you're going to blow one off in your hand. And it didn't happen that time. But three months later, sure enough, I blew one off on my thumb. That thing turned black and it was hard for the next six months. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, listen to me, you play with temptation long enough, it's going to bite you. It's going to cause some wounds. It's going to cause some scars. And here's what I know. The enemy wants wants tons of chaos and destruction in your life. Man, I wish so hard that we could grasp this concept. Man, if we would just pull that line so far away from temptation, not even smell it, not even go next to it, and don't even get around it because we know what's on the other side. And, man, today I want to look at some verses and some things. If you open up your Bibles with me, James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, here's why we don't mess around with temptation. Here's why we don't even we pull that line so far away and get away from it. Here it is. Ready? James chapter 1, 13 through 15, it says, when tempted, you need to understand, it's not a matter of if, it's when. Like, you have a real enemy out there. It says, no one should say, God is tempting me. You know, I hear that a lot. Why would God tempt me? God doesn't tempt you. He doesn't. For God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anybody, but... Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. It says, then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And here's the destruction. And when it's fully grown, it gives birth to death. Man, we've got to grasp that concept you have an enemy that hates the fact that you have a relationship with the king and kings and Lord of lords, and he's doing everything to pull you away from that. That's what temptation is. I've, I've given you a, new, a definition. It says temptation is anything that promises the satisfaction at the cost of your obedience to God. It's anything that gives you the false promise, and boy, can I tell you, it looks good. Matter of fact, if you go back in Genesis chapter 3, when, when the enemy is tempting Adam and Eve, Eve looked at the apple and examined it, and what she came to the conclusion was what? That it looked okay. It looked okay to eat. There was nothing wrong with it, with its outward appearance. There was no deformity, but it looked good. Isn't that what the enemy's trying to do with us? Boy, does he take temptation and wrap that up really pretty. Boy, does he wipe that thing, make it look pretty, put it on a platter and hand it to us. When in all reality, inside of that temptation that leads to sin is nothing but chaos, destruction for your life and your relationship with Jesus. And man, if we could just get a hold of that, here's, here's what that means for us. Like, what, like what's some temptation? The, the promise of our pain, that if we would just numb it, somehow that we would feel better. Like, maybe if you're you're single out there, like, we fall into the temptation that, like, if we would find a spouse, that they would fulfill our every desire and every need, that's what temptation does to us. Matter of fact, there's even a process for this. There's a process of temptation. I've given it to you because it's really powerful. It goes like this. The first thing is, is, is you desire, you think about it, Right? For a lot of times that comes through the lenses of our eyeballs, like we see it, we think about it, and then what happens when we think about it, we imagine it, right? Because our brain goes all over the place. We imagine it, then what do we do after we imagine it? Well, we're really good at this. We try to justify it. We can justify about anything, right? Like we We can justify about anything in our life, and then once we justify it, we choose it. So let me give you an example of my own life, maybe last week. Uh, so I thought about this. I was like, oh, look, my wife brought a puppy home with our eight-month-old and three-year-old. Love that chaos in my life. Man, so glad that she gets whatever she wants. Yeah, love love that for me, right? Then I imagined to myself, well, I probably should go buy a motorcycle because that would be what I would want, right? Well, I justified it by going, well, my wife got what she wants, so I should get what I want, Right? I obviously didn't choose it because I didn't pull up on a motorcycle this morning, right? I know that's funny, but, but here's, here's more of a, a, a real reality. Oh, man, man, I'm tired this week. Man, I worked 50 hours. Man, I cleaned the house, I did the dishes, I took care of the kids, I did it all. My spouse, on the other hand, they're lazy, they did nothing. And then I imagine, like, you know what would make me feel better? Maybe I would get around a table with my guys or, or, or my ladies and I would just vent to them, right? Because venting's not that bad, right? Like, let me just blast my spouse to a bunch of people, put out all their imperfections for everybody else to see, right? And the justification is well, it, it'd make me feel better. Like, I, I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm just doing it. And then we choose it. And the next thing you know, the closest people to us, what we've just done is demean, demoralize our spouse in front of the other people that we love around us. Or, or maybe it's like this. You think, well, well, golly, I'm bored. I got nothing else to do. Like, what am I going to do with all my time? You know what? I imagine that in order to gratify some of my sin nature, it'd be easier just to click on this website. And you justify it by going like, "Well, my, my husband or my wife's not putting out, so like I, I deserve this, right?" Or, or, or maybe the justification it, it goes a little bit like this: "Or oh, I deserve this. I've been a good boy or a good girl for a while. Like I deserve a little fun in my life, and then we choose it. We don't realize the destruction that is causing all around us. And we got to rethink our relationship with temptation." And this week, in Genesis chapter 39, I want to walk through a story about Joseph. Now, if you were here last week, Pastor Matt did a fantastic job with Joseph's life, and he talked about forgiveness. And this week, we're we're going to pick up in in chapter 39. Uh, Let me give you a little context around this. Joseph uh, had, had a bunch of brothers, and his brothers were evil with their scheme, and they didn't really like Joseph, and so they threw him into a pit. Well, next thing you know, uh, these these traders came along. They sold Joseph into slavery. So Joseph is now a slave to these people and and these traders ended up selling Joseph to this Egyptian man. So now you have an Israelite in Egypt, a foreigner in a foreign land that is a slave to this guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar realized after looking at Joseph and examining his life that God must be with Joseph because everything that Joseph touched, God honored and God favored. Which is a beautiful picture that despite the fact of whatever has happened in your life, that God is still with you. That he sees you in your hurt, in your pain, in the wrong that people have done. What we talked about last week with forgiveness. but, But he's sold into Potiphar's house here, right? And he finds favor. So much so that Potiphar says, hey, whatever I have... All my affairs, all my houses, all my businesses, all of my money, I'm going to put in charge of you. You're equal with me. You have every right to say what and what not to do with it. So Potiphar gives him this honor and this respect in his household despite the fact that he was actually a slave. And so here's what, that's where we're at. Here's what happens though. In Genesis chapter 39, verse six and verse seven, this very high esteemed man who's the head of the household, here's what happens. It says, now Joseph was a well-built and handsome man. Don't you wish somebody said that about you? It said, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, that, that's in front of your face. Oftentimes, temptation is wrapped in this pretty box that looks good, that you don't even realize it's very tempting. But here Joseph is, he's in a full-on attack. Like, this is a full out war. Like, she's not hiding what she wants, clearly, right? And I love what the ESV says. It, as a matter of fact, it says that Joseph, her, with her eyes that she saw him, coming through her thoughts again, and point number one for today, you have to realize temptation often comes when we least expect it. Man, it should not come when we least expect it because we should always be on our guard. But all the time I, I catch people, like, I don't really, like, sometimes they're, they're talking about this and they're like, man, it took me by surprise. You ever heard that? Like, this came out of nowhere, right? Like, could you imagine where Joseph was? All the injustice, all the wrongs that his brother just did. Out of nowhere, after a while, the master's wife took notice of him. Now, here's why. Now, this is all speculation, but Potiphar was gone. He, he was out doing his own thing. Maybe his wife was lonely. Maybe she was upset. Maybe thinks she deserved it. But, but could you imagine, Joseph, after all the wrong that had happened in his life, could you see how easy it would have been for him to be like, oh, dude, I deserve this. Who, who else would know? Man, he's, he's put me in charge of his whole household. So why can't I take this upon myself either? Temptation comes at you when you least expect it. You are most vulnerable to temptation when you're weak, number one, or when you think you're strong. Here's when we fall into temptation. When life constantly just is beating on our door. When life over and over and over, like something else just can't go wrong. Knock, knock, knock. Here comes temptation. Or when you think that you're standing for, like, oh, I never, ever have a problem with that. I Man, I used to have a pastor. He used to sit in this pulpit for 32 years on a Monday night. He said it like this. You're one decision away from stupid. And so many of us all the time think like, you know what? I go to church all the time. I pray. I read my Bible. I'm in a Bible study. I'm standing firm. You know what scripture says? Careful. We're about to read it. It says careful that you don't fall. It's when you think that you can do this whole life on your own. When you're weak or when you think that you're standing firm or that you're strong. Look at what Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 says. Watch and pray now that that's really good for us watch meaning be on your guard look out for temptation and pray here's what i often find that we do we do one or the other we either are on guard we're watching we're putting boundaries around in our life we're avoiding certain things or we're just praying which is good. It's not a bad thing, but we're not watchful. We're asking God, God, would you protect me? Would you guide me? And then somehow we just fall into temptation. Like, well, I wasn't really watching out for that. It's both in. You got to watch and pray. You got to have the Holy Spirit of God to go, God, I need your help. God, you've already overcome the world. You've gone to the grave. You defeated it all, but I'm still here. I've got a real enemy that's trying to pull me back. God, I need you, but also I'm going to be on my guard. I'm going to completely watch my surroundings, what's going on around me. I'm going to watch what I'm putting in my life. I'm going to put people in my life that can give me accountability, that can look from the outside in. It's both and. Instead, we want to pick one or, one or the other. It says watch and pray. So what? So that you don't fall into temptation. Because the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen? Here's what it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says on, on the other side, careful if you think you're standing firm so that you don't fall. It's both ends. Temptation will come when you least expect it. When things are going really good, when things are going really bad, they come on both ends. But it keeps going. Genesis chapter 39, verse 8 9. She obviously tells him what she wants, and then what happens? He refuses. And here's what he says. He says, with me in charge, he told her, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one's greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, his wife. And then listen to what he says. How then could I do such a wicked thing against God? Point number two, think about the cost if you fall into temptation. You know what temptation's so really good at? It's so really good at packaging and wrapping itself as something good for your life that has destruction. And all you can think about is the momentary satisfaction that it could potentially bring. While on the other hand, you should be thinking about the cost if you do fall into it. So many of us are wrapped and are consumed with that momentary lapse of pleasure that we forget about the cost of it. Let me, please hear me. This is really important, believer. You, you do not sin in isolation. You don't sin in isolation. The enemy wants you to think that secret thing that you're tempted with, that who would really know? Who would really care? Nobody actually sees me doing it. You do not sin in isolation. When you take that temptation, you think you ran away. Nobody ever knows about it. Here's what scripture says. Your sin will eventually come to light. Now, it may not be in this life, but it will be in the next. Your sin will come to light. And hear me, listen, please listen. Your sin doesn't just affect you, it affects every single person that's closest around you. I know this is going to be hard to hear. Look at divorce, look at infidelity. It affects a husband, it affects a spouse, it affects the kids. Your sin doesn't just directly affect you, believer. It causes destruction with all things around you, in your life, in your home, in your family, all of it. You have got to stop thinking about the pleasure of what if, and you gotta start thinking about what is the cost. That's exactly what Joseph's doing here. He's putting in, formulating an argument with this lady to go, hold on a second, listen to me. I'm an Israelite, I'm in a foreign land. My God is the one true God, and right now I'm in a position of power and authority and respect, and I may lose my witness to all of Egypt if I'm looked at as a home wrecker. That's what he's saying. He's saying, me, in this position, in this stature, man, if I was to go sleep with you, I would lose all of my credibility to every single person around me and maybe have missed the opportunity of speaking Jesus into their life. Even further so, he was like, listen, hold on a second. You got to think about this, sweetheart. What? I'm not just sinning against you. I'm also sinning against my master. I'm also sinning against my own body. And then he goes, what's more important? I'm sinning against God. How many of us think so much about sinning against God versus what could this potentially bring me for a moment? You have to count the cost of what happens if I go there. And you gotta tell yourself all the time, you gotta make these arguments. What would happen if? Man, I would lose all credibility. I'd lose all witness. It doesn't just affect me, it affects everybody around me. And he keeps going. I love this. Says this in verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day what did happen he refused to go to bed with her and this this is huge or even be with her period Listen, temptation's gonna just come knocking, come knocking, come knocking, come knocking. It's not once, it's not twice, it's not three, it's not four, it's every single moment of every single day of our life. When we wake up, we have a choice. Submit to God or do what I wanna do. Submit to God or do what I wanna do. The temptation is there every single day of our life. And here's what we miss. We miss voiding common areas of temptation we miss avoiding common areas of temptation it blows my mind how many people struggle with certain sins and continue to put themselves in environments and places that that sin flourishes that's what that's what he's doing he's trying his best to avoid her and the temptation in his life he knows it's coming he knows she's there every single day and if he can help it he's trying to get away from it now listen He's putting up safeguard. He's putting up boundaries. He's in the will of God right here. He's doing his duties to his master in his house. He knows he's doing everything to avoid it. Are you? Are you avoiding places? Like, I know this is a big, obvious example, but if you struggle with alcohol, probably shouldn't be sitting at a bar, right? Like, obviously, right? But we do that with everything, like including people, Like we do it with places, we do it with people. Matt talked about this last week, there's forgiveness. Sometimes it goes one way, sometimes it goes both ways. You can forgive somebody and still not have reconciliation with them. You can forgive them in your heart, but the the relationship is still, it's, it's not good, right? So you probably should avoid certain places, certain people that you have rubs with or triggers with that like, oh man, if I get around that person, I'll probably show my butt. I can already feel the anger swelling inside of me. You probably should avoid them. Listen listen to what it says in, in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 14 and 15. Don't enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of evil. Listen, avoid it. Avoid it altogether. Do not go on. Turn away from it and pass on. Pass on. Completely avoid it. And here's where I think the biggest one for some of us are. Avoid isolation. Did you you read earlier what it said? That the enemy is trying to drag you away to entice you? can Can I, let me go on a tangent for a second. Church, it's so much bigger than this service. Hear me. This is so much bigger than you coming in, sitting at an eleven o'clock or a nine thirty or eight fifteen service and hearing the word. You know what the church, the people of God, are for? When I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, when I'm in a hard, hard, hard place in my life, I've surrounded with like-minded people like you that believe the same thing that I do to help encourage me to call somebody when going. Hey, listen, I'm being tempted right now. I need your help. That is church. Man, what, some of us have just isolated ourselves. We've, we come here once or twice a month. We come in one service. We walk out of here. You're the church, the body of believers is supposed to help each other, come around each other because when you are tempted, you need people. You need God and you need other biblical people around you to go, hey, listen, I've been there before. Let me help you out. I've, I've had the same struggle. Here's how me and the Lord work through this. That's what the church is for. Some of you, like, when, when times and moments in your life go, like, completely backwards, the, the, your first initial reaction is just to isolate, just to hide. Well, I, I can't really let people know what I'm going through. I, I, can't, I can't tell. Like, this is shameful. Like, we shouldn't be able to. No, the body of Christ is full of broken people that God has made whole. There's none of us in here that should be hiding from what's going on. This should be the most welcoming, inviting, encouraging place. Because here's the reality. The enemy's after every one of us. It's not just you. It's all of us. Do not find your place in a place of isolation. Not not just with church, but in general. I know not everybody's an extrovert. Some people are introverts. You still need people around you to speak into your life. You need like minded people around you. When you start isolating yourself, is when the enemy starts getting a little bit more of a foothold. A little bit more of a foothold. Because here's what I know if he plants one small little thought and you take that and you run with it in your mind, man, it leads to a large path of destruction. When you constantly don't put the promises and the word of God in your mind, there's a reason that scripture says to take every single thought captive. It's not just empty words. Because all of your temptation starts in the mind. It starts up here and you think about it and you fester on it. Is that truth? Is that a promise of God? Is that the enemy? You have to train yourself who's talking to me. Is this the promise of God or is this the enemy trying to lure me and drag me away into isolation that furthers me into temptation leading to sin? Don't go there. Don't do it. Please. You got to avoid it. Last story I'll tell before we move on. I was reading an article about online gambling, I know it's ravaging. It's great, all right? And this guy was talking about how it started really innocent. He, had, he downloaded this app on his phone. he uploaded five bucks to his account. that five became 500 and then 5,000. The next thing you know, he's taking money that he's borrowing, that he doesn't have, and now he's losing it, and he's in mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds of debt. And here's what happened. He realized that he wasn't strong enough to delete an app just to get away from it because he could just re-download the app. So instead, he just turned his cell phone and says, no, thank you. I'll take your flip phone because it's got no internet and it's got no apps. That's how much you need to avoid temptation. It's not easy. It's not pretty. It's not the most popular, which we're about to talk about in this next point but you must avoid it at all costs. If there's anything in your life, and I'm going to say this, hear me. When was the last time, just, just hear me. I know, I know this is going to be hard to hear. When was the last time you tried to avoid a workplace or ask for a new location because you were scared that a coworker relationship that you had could turn inappropriate? That's how much you need to avoid it. Because here's what we do. We try, to, we try to justify it. Like, I don't have a problem. This isn't going to be, become a big thing. We're not that close. We don't have a strong relationship. And next thing you know, if you don't change locations, if you don't change jobs, that relationship becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then next thing you know, there it goes. That's how easy it can become. I'm not saying every situation leads to that by no means. But if you don't remove yourself from that thing and something doesn't change, you're playing with fire. That's how much we have to avoid it you got to keep going. Genesis chapter 39, verse 11 and 12. It says, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties. He's in the will of God. He's doing his duties. Sometimes you can't avoid it, okay? Sometimes it's going to attack. Ready? And none of the household servants were inside. They're by their self. She caught him by his cloak saying, come to bed with me. And he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. Flee from temptation at all costs. Here was the cost. This man's cloak just came off. He is probably in his skibbies or butt naked running through this place. You all laugh, but the man was fleeing temptation with every single thing that he has He knew the cost of falling into it. He didn't care what the rest of the world looked like. He didn't care what they said about him. He didn't care about the whispers in the back room. Did you see so-and-so fleeing in his undies? No, he didn't care about any of that. You know what he cared about? He cared about honor and glorifying King Jesus. That's what he cared about. You have to flee at all costs. I don't care what it costs you. Matter of fact, later on in scripture, we don't have time to get there today. She took that cloak. She went to important people. She slandered his name. There was lies. It's not the most popular thing to do. Stop trying to look like the rest of the world and flee and get out of temptation that leads to destruction. At all costs. At everything. everything. Every moment of resistance to temptation is victory. In King Jesus, you realize that every moment that you flee from temptation is victory between you and the Lord going, God, thank you so much for giving me the power through your Holy Spirit to flee. And our natural reaction isn't to flee. It's to stick around. It's to let it flirt a little bit. And then eventually it leads to sin. Every single moment, believer, that you flee from temptation is victory in Jesus. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, and I love this. Here's the hope. Here's the hope. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Listen, and God is faithful. Some of you needed to hear that today. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, meaning, the temptation isn't going to be so strong that you have no other bodily choice but to give into it. He says, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath it. Man, believer, here's the, here's the reality. King Jesus has already defeated the grave. He's conquered it. We have salvation through the blood of Christ through it. But here's all the reality. He hates the fact that you have a relationship with him And if you don't fall to the feet of Jesus, there's a reason. Matt talked about this a couple weeks ago in the Lord's Prayer where we pray, God, help me with temptation. Help me. I'm begging, I'm pleading at all costs. Would you give me a way out? Now listen, God is faithful enough to give that way out. But here's here's my, my question to you. Are you looking for the way out? Are you too satisfied in what sin already has to offer? You know, for some of us, the reason that, that like we may not even resonate with this in temptation is because some of us have already fallen into sin. Like it's, it's a pattern, it's a cycle in our life that we don't no even longer like fight temptation. We just give into it. Like it's just reality. Like I've done it once, I've done it twice, I've done it three times. Might as well keep this path up. That's not the will of God for your life. Man, you're playing with fire. Hear me, believer. God wants to give you victory over all of it. Stop thinking that you can do this on your own and fall to the feet of Jesus and go, God, I need protection. You realize that there's a real war going out there. I I realized this a couple months ago. Do you know what God is doing right now? Like I'm talking like right now. Think about that. What is God doing right now? Hear me. He is working on your behalf. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He's going in front of you, he's going behind you, and he's working on your behalf. You don't even know the battles that God is facing right now for you so that we don't even come in close to temptation. God is with you, believer. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants to give you the strength. He wants to in those times, and those moments, when the Holy Spirit is going, "This isn't a good situation. You probably need to get out of here. You don't need to be here. This is going to get bad." You probably—that's the Holy Spirit of God helping you. That's giving him the way out. So many of us like, "Oh, well, hold on, God. Let's just see where this thing goes." He's like, "No! Flee! Run! Avoid!" You have to, have to, have to seek the feet of Jesus and go. God, I need you. God, I know my flesh. I know my vulnerabilities. I know where I'm weak. Can I? Can I tell you something? The enemy knows even more. You may know yourself really, really, really well. The enemy knows even more. The reason he catches us off guard a lot of times is because he knows us better. I'm not trying to give. I'm not trying to give the enemy more power than he deserves. By no means. But some of you forget that he knows. And some of us are are walking this tightrope between temptation and sin, and all we need is one quick pull or the wind to blow, and then there we go. Man, don't even get there. Flee, run, avoid, get away, think about it. Think about it, believer. Before you get to a place that causes utter destruction, not only with you, with people around you, there's hope in King Jesus. There's so much strength and hope if you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to go, God, I have no idea what I'm walking into today, but you do. God, I know that there's things that are going to be coming at me. God, I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be on guard. But right now, I'm praying, would you go before me? Would you protect me? Would you open my eyes to when you give me a way out, that I take that way out? That's what an active relationship with Jesus is. Not just like, we're not just out there when temptation comes and we just walk right through the door. Some of us have just opened the door, let it on in and go, come on in. And then we wake up one day and realize like, oh wow, how did I get here? How did I get here? So here's how I want to end today. Here we go. I want you to ask yourself the very hard questions. I want you to ask yourself, where are my vulnerabilities? Where is it in my life that I know that I'm weak? Where's those areas of temptations, those insecurities, those thoughts? Maybe it's my mind. Where are the areas in my life that I'm most vulnerable? Maybe I've isolated myself. Maybe I've kind of put up my guard to my husband or my spouse, or maybe it's my accountability partner. Nobody can really speak into my life. You know when temptation catches you off guard is when you just say, hold on a second. Maybe it's you putting your accountability back around you to go, hey, what is it in my life that you're seeing that maybe my eyes aren't seeing? What is it about me? What is it about my walk with the Lord? Maybe, like, you've known this for a while. Hear me. Your spouse hasn't picked up the word of God in a while, and what they're believing in their mind is not the promises of God. The most loving thing you can do is go, husband, sweetheart, listen, I love you so much, but maybe just maybe you're struggling so much is because you're relying on the things of this world to try to fill you up when only God can. That's how important this is. Some of us just have to ask ourselves the really, really hard questions. Or maybe you're out there and you're like, hey, listen, I've already fallen. I got a face planted. I'm over the line. It's drug me knees deep, and I don't know how to get out. Hear me today in this next song. Would you fall at the feet of Jesus and go, God, my sin is yours. God is good enough, faithful enough, just enough to forgive you of your sin, and he wants to take that disgusting brokenness and turn it for his honor and his glory for good. We have a God that takes our bad and turns it good for his glory. Praise Jesus for that, and all we need to do is fall at the feet of Jesus and go, God, it's yours. God, I'm surrendering today. I know this is hard, I know this is self-examining. I know you need to ask yourself the hard questions, but hear me today. With the closest person around me, it's your spouse or whoever, where are the vulnerabilities in my life? How can we surrender those to the Lord? And what are some guards and some things that we need to avoid in our life in order for us not to fall into sin? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you and God, we need you. God, we're so thankful for your word, for Joseph's life, for the reminder that, that God, we can't avoid, that we can flee because of how good you are. God, would you help us? God, would you guide us? God, right now, in this time, in this moment, would you poke, would you pry into our life and go, man, for so long you've been flirting with this, And maybe the Holy Spirit is warning you right now. Be careful. God, would we heed to that warning? God, would we listen to you? When you say no, God, would we say yes to you? God, I'm praying for marriages right now. God, would you guide and would you protect? God, for the students in the room, God, would you protect from the culture and the world? and what everybody's throwing at them. And God, would they cling to your promises and your truth and your word? That they would realize that that those things promise satisfaction, but only you satisfy. That only you can fill the void and the gap in our life. So God, would you go before us? Would you protect us? And Father, would we not just come into church, let it be another Sunday. But God, that we would actively walk this out today in our life. Would you open our eyes to the temptations of this world so, God, that we can run to you. God, we have a loving Father that opens His arms and says, Come. So, Father, let us say no to those things and say yes to you, King Jesus. God, we love you, and we're so thankful for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting com slash next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.